1: Well, let's pray, and uh, we'll get started on tonight. Uh, We're going to take a look at uh, spiritual gifts and how to use spiritual gifts within uh, evangelism. And then we're also going to practice using your stories. So thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just thank you for this evening. Lord, we just pray that you would come, and uh, Father, that you would just give us... Give us your direction, Lord. Show us those that are hurting, those that are broken, Father, those around us that we can speak life into. Lord, like Ezekiel, that you said, speak. Speak the word of the Lord. Speak to them that uh, the dry bones shall live. Lord, when we just speak to the dry bones in our area, to the lost in the north, the south, east, and the west, and say, come, life, come to these dead, dry, broken bodies and, and, and souls. Lord, we thank you that lives are being transformed, Lord. We thank you that people are being born again, Lord, even this morning, and uh, those that are in our small groups that are getting born again, Lord, and lives that are being transformed. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, let it increase. Let it increase. Lord, give us ears to hear tonight what the Spirit is saying. Give us ears to hear. Come on, y'all pray with me. Lord, give us ears tonight to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Lord, we just pray that you would help each of us, Lord, give each of us a heart for the lost give each of us a heart lord for the for the hurting and the broken that are around us lord give us give us compassion lord for the lost give us a heart of the heart of god lord your heart for, for the hurting and the broken, Lord, the depressed and the discouraged, Lord, the, the prostitutes, the street people, Lord, all of them. God, we just thank you, Father, the, the hurting, the broken, Lord, even the business professionals, Lord, the, those that are teachers, Lord, people that we work with or go to school with. Lord, we just thank you for uh, friendship evangelism opportunities, Lord, for personal evangelism. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, um, first off, let me just say that if you have not gotten the Evangelism Explosion book, you can see Jen, who will um, help you with that. Is there anyone that does not get the notes this evening, uh, Bob? If you can glance around, make sure everybody's gotten notes, and uh, make sure that everybody can get those. So that's available, and then um, so Pastor uh, Bob uh, will hand out notes. And then um, tonight, so hopefully everybody has had the chance to go through and how many of you wrote down your story from your personal story, your salvation story. Those of you that didn't get F's, shame on you. Uh, Hopefully you have at least thought about your story and uh, were able to write something down. If not, hopefully you know your story. What I'd like for us to do, we're just going to take a moment and I want you to share your story with someone and I know this seems like first off there's two responses that are going to happen one extreme fear oh my goodness I got to share my story I don't, I'm so nervous well that's why we're doing it because I want you to overcome that fear and actually share your God's story with someone so you're going to overcome that fear and do it tonight within a safe setting So we're not going to look at you and say, oh, my goodness, Lester, you really screwed your story up. I can't believe you messed it up, man. No, we're doing it within a safe setting. And uh, nobody's going to critique you or criticize you because you did it or said something wrong. And then the second response that usually comes up outside of fear is, I don't know what to say. um, Or what should I say? And I would encourage you to start simple. Just share your story. What has Jesus done for you? When did you When did you experience Christ? What was your story? For me, um, I got born again when I was a child. I grew up in a Christian family. Grew up in a Christian home, and uh, I. We'll never forget the day I was in children's church, and the teacher was teaching on Jonah and the whale, and they were using the flannel graphs. You know however you remember the flannel graphs? And they were 3D. They were 3D flannel graphs, and those little sticky things. On, I know we had the good ones. They were the you know they were on the wall, the pieces of flannel on the wall thing, and uh, she was talking about. Jonah and the whale, and Jonah was running from God, and then all of a sudden, Jonah comes off the wall, and you don't see Jonah, and where'd Jonah go? And then she turns on the black light, and there's Jonah in the belly of the fish, and you see Jonah in the belly of the fish because of the black light and all that. So anyway, that's, I got born again. That was my story. I got born again. Because of that, I realized, oh, I don't want to be like Jonah, run from God. Um, so I remember that day very vividly, and um, It's funny, we used to, there's a pastor friend of ours that uh, every time he told his story, I don't even remember, it was, what was the the street number? He'd always give the street number. I got born again at such and such Opelousas Street in uh, Opelousas, Louisiana. I mean, he he had the, and he knew, he had always, and then uh, he had the, date in 1977, the time. I mean, he knew he could tell you every detail. it was so funny uh, to hear him tell a story. And anytime he would start, and I got bored again, and we could all finish the story for him because we've all heard it a million times. <laughs> but that was his story. So we're going to practice tonight. So I'd like for you to find someone that you don't know or don't know well. Let me say that. Don't know well. Someone that you don't know well or you don't already know their salvation. In other words, don't partner up with your spouse or a good friend. want you to find someone. Go find a partner. And we're going to do this very simply. Go find your partner. We're all, we're merging. We're merging. We may have numbers may need to be Uh, Don 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 Lee and Joe Carter, there we go there's a great match or or Carl, whichever Carl or Pastor Joe, y'all any either of y'all, however y'all connect okay, who does not have a partner? okay, so someone needs to be with Pastor Charles, Lester. That's the word of the Lord for Lester. Lester and Pastor Charles. <laughs> I got a when you got saved, how would you know when you lost it? <laughs> That's funny. So you all got it. Okay. So here's what you're going to do. Introduce yourself if you don't already, if you haven't already. And um, I want you to take a few minutes, to determine who's going to go first, and share your story, and then take turns. All righty, thank you Jesus y'all shared your stories Good Lord y'all sharing history stories you ain't sharing stories. This is like history lesson um well let's merge it back together and then um learn how to short shorten your stories um <laughs> So remember, when you share your story, you want to keep it three to five minutes max. So um, this is a resource, it's a tool, like I said, it's a resource or tool for evangelism. So uh, why don't you all get settled back in, and then, uh, Bob, can you make sure everyone, all of our new friends have, okay, everybody's got, anybody not have notes that needs notes for the teaching? We all good. All right, awesome. Um, I, know you, I know everybody on this side is going to love me. But can we merge this side into the middle section since we have wide open space would everybody mind moving this way that's over here everybody move this way everybody. everybody move this way it's distracting when you're speaking to a handful of people when there's more people on your left than there are in front of you <laughs> it's hard Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Well, we've been been following along in the book, Evangelism Explosion. uh, But tonight, uh, last week, of course, while I was out of town, we showed a couple of Reinhard Bonnke videos uh, in teaching. How'd those go? Y'all, those that were here, good. Y'all like those videos? Awesome. Um, so tonight, instead of using the book, I'm going to teach on the use of spiritual gifts in evangelism. So um, I want to give you a background, kind of a basic understanding of spiritual gifts. And as I give you the basic understanding of spiritual gifts, you will probably figure out how they apply within evangelism. So if you have your notes, uh, we just shared, so if in class review, we just shared our, our personal stories. What I'd like for everyone to do for next week's class, make sure you've read chapter 3. Uh, in the book, which probably you already have done that. That was a previous assignment. Um, But make sure chapter 3 and chapter 4 are read, and we'll pick up uh, in the book next week. But uh, anyway, some observations. I want to give you some personal observations about the use of spiritual gifts before we get into the Scripture. I just want to share, I guess, some of my... These are my own observations uh, in regards to operating in the spiritual gifts, supernatural gifts and uh, we'll talk about them. Number one, at the time of greatest persecution and disregard for spiritual gifts, is the greatest need for their understanding and use. Uh, we live in a day where people do not understand spiritual gifts, they don't understand supernatural ministry, they don't understand um, the things of the Spirit, and so they tend to disregard it. And even in churches, Um, You have a lot of churches where the pastors have no experience in regards to spiritual gifts or operating in supernatural ministry. They don't understand the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They don't understand spiritual gifts. And they don't teach on it, and they throw it out. We don't understand it, so we won't teach on it. We just won't experience it. We won't throw it out, and we'll disregard it. And that is, one, not scriptural, but two... It means that those of us who have an understanding of spiritual gifts and have an understanding of supernatural ministry need to uh, do it all the more and teach on it all the more and uh, be more involved and do spiritual supernatural ministry. It doesn't mean we throw the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, you know, just because somebody has abused it or misused it. There's not a doctrine in the Bible that someone has not abused or misused. But, you know, salvation alone, you know, how many many people get off on the weird doctrines and weird tangents that are not scriptural in, in regards to salvation? But that doesn't mean that I don't believe in salvation. It doesn't mean that I don't preach it or teach it. It means that I teach and preach all the more the truth of scripture in regards to salvation. And the same is true of spiritual gifts. Number two, It takes a moment to receive a gift from God, but a lifetime to steward it. Gifts come very freely, but their operation and stewardship are very costly. (laughs) Um, You can can receive a gift from God in a moment. It's manifestation, and, and God using it in your life is momentary. But the character that sustains that gift takes a lifetime to develop. We've all seen uh, preachers who have had moral failures. We've all seen people who have, who have messed up in ministry or have gotten off onto uh, unscriptural doctrines. And, you know, all of those things come from a lack of character and integrity to support the gift. You know, there, there are great, um, great ministries and people who have great calls from God in their lives and, and anointings from God to do ministry. But they don't take the time to steward their character and steward the gift. And thus, there's, there's a meltdown, there's a blow up. They shipwreck their faith is what Timothy said, or Paul told Timothy. Number three, there have always been and will always be those who oppose the use of spiritual gifts. We see this in the life of Jesus. There's always going to be those who are going to contradict and and not support and talk negative about, but that doesn't mean we stop. Number four, spiritual gifts are intended for the edification, exhortation, and comfort period. That's it. Uh, We we will see this in Scripture as we go on through the night. But anything outside of that is not scriptural use of spiritual gifts. Um, Have you ever been in a service before where people where there was a, maybe a message in tongues or there was a uh, prophetic word or something happened and it was very judgmental, very degrading or critical. I'm sure probably a lot of us have. Um, I've seen that happen. And uh, I, I was in a service, I forget who it was, it was with Dave Reaver. Anybody know who Dave Reaver is? Okay, Dave Reaver was... Um, a war vet who, I think he stepped on a landmine and basically blew off. I mean, horrible. Shot, his hand. A shot, shot. Yeah, there you go. Just shot the mine in his hand and messed up his a Horrible story. But he's a preacher, and um, he was in one of our services uh, in Illinois, and so there was this lady giving this horrible message in tongues and turb- It was great. It was just judgmental. It was degrading the body of Christ. It definitely wasn't scriptural. And the person who was leading the service didn't really take charge and tell her to be quiet. Just because they felt, I guess, felt uncomfortable. Had not been in that situation. A lot of pastors aren't sure what to do in those situations. And Dave Reaver's on the side and he said... Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> and you just kind of knew, okay, he's done with this. He's ready to move on. <laughs> but nobody was shutting the lady up. I think, I think an usher finally went back and told her to be quiet. But anyway, um, that's going to happen. But it doesn't mean that we don't use the gifts. It means that we just have to teach people and disciple people. This is the proper use of spiritual gifts. Uh, number five. Desiring spiritual gifts should be in every believer, but our pursuit is for God alone. We all desire, and Paul said earnestly desire that you uh, God uses you as spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Uh, but our pursuit and our passions for God, the spiritual gifts are a manifestation of God himself. The The word used, and we'll read it here in a moment, that that Paul uses is the word for grace or charisma it's the charisma the grace of god manifest in our lives. spiritual gifts are the the grace and and god himself manifest in our lives to minister to people so those that's spiritual gifts uh, number six the context for effective operation of spiritual gift is love our motivation and the context for operating in the gifts is love number seven any gift in operation that does not glorify god is not a kingdom gift the spiritual gifts, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will come and he will glorify me. He will reveal what is of the Father's, what is of mine and, glor- and glorify me. And so anything that doesn't glorify Christ is in contradiction uh, to Scripture. Anyway, so those are just some of my personal observations regarding spiritual gifts within the context of our current culture and church world in which we live. So someone have 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to start there. Who wants to read 1 Corinthians 12? We're all getting our Bibles, getting situated. And please, preferably someone who does not have a weird paraphrase version (laughs) something that is actual understandable in a group context (laughs) I I like the I like the paraphrase but for the group understanding yeah You, you do we have it's probably not on is it Joe first Corinthians 12 can you just read loud
0: There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits; to another different
1: awesome. I want to take a, verse, take a look at verse 1. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. I want to take a look at some of the Greek words there and kind of give you the background of what Paul's saying. It's very interesting, actually. The word, the word uh, ignorant there in the Greek is the word ag- agnoio, sorry, it's in the notes there, which comes from the, word, the root word genosko. Now if any of you are Greek scholars or enjoy studying Greek, uh, which I doubt that there's anybody in here that that's the case, but it, it, just in case, uh, or those of you that just want to know more, that word genosko is a very important word in the New Testament Greek. It's, the, it's a word that's often used in our relationship with God to know God, but in its sense of meaning, it, it particularly relates to the relationship between a husband and a wife to know where the husband and wife know each other intimately, even sexually, and so there's there is a relationship that's being connected here. When we know God, we are to know Him intimately, uh, as a husband and wife know each other intimately. It's not necessarily obviously we're not knowing God sexually, but that's not what it's saying. There's an intimate relationship that ought to be hap- have that we ought to have. Uh, when we have a relationship with God. And that word genosco is used a lot to show that, this place of intimacy, knowing God intimately. And so what Paul's saying here is, I do not want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be in absence of this intimate relationship with God, is what Paul's saying. And then the words carried away, it's a compound word, apago which means to be disfellowshipped by separation, to be taken captive like an animal or a prisoner and led or carried off by others. So Paul's saying, I don't want you to be taken captive and led off. I don't want you, he said, I don't, I don't want you to become ignorant of a relationship with God. I don't want you to not have intimacy with God and thus be carried off or led captive by others. Y'all follow that so far? So there's a, there's a progression that Paul's going on in these Greek words. The word dumb, um, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brothers, but I don't want you uh, carried away, verse 2, so you know that you were once Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols. That word dumb idols in verse 2 is uh, speechless. It means speechless or without sound. These are idols. These are without sound. They're dumb idols. And the word, uh, I, and this is awesome, the word for idols in the Greek means phantoms of the mind. So Paul's saying, I don't, I don't want you to be led off or carried astray by mute, uh, mute idols, idols that don't speak, led off astray by phantoms of your own mind. So I've put together my own translation <laughs> using the Greek on the next page to kind of explain this. This is, this is what Paul's saying in the Greek in verses 1 and 2. He says, I do not want you to be unperceptive, or spiritually unaware or intimately disconnected i don't want you to be unperceptive spiritually unaware or intimately disconnected you know that you were gentiles intended to be part intended to be part of the fellowship but instead were captured shackled and carried off by voiceless false perceptions of phantoms of the mind being carried off by whatever captured you and so paul's what paul's doing here is setting the stage for spiritual gifts. Why spiritual gifts are so important. He says, look, brethren, I don't want you to get let off, carried astray by these phantoms of your own mind. I, I want you to fully understand and fully know what spiritual gifts are, how they operate, and what their purpose is. Y'all follow so far? So that was, that's what Paul's teaching is here, is so that you and I can be... Um, totally aware of how God uses spiritual gifts. So let's go on here. So there are, there are spiritual gifts, nine spiritual gifts that Paul talks about here. All spirit-baptized Christians have, have the gifts, have gifts operating in their lives. These gifts are available, and their purpose is to glorify Christ and are motivated by love. The spiritual gifts can be broken down into three categories, and so we're going to take a look at that. So these three categories that spiritual gifts can be classified in or these spiritual gifts can be broken down in is firstly, revelation gifts. And the purpose of the revelation gifts is to do exactly that. They are to reveal. The revelation gifts reveal things not known to the natural mind. So in your notes next to revelation gift, that that blank is revealed. Secondly, the second group of spiritual gifts, or the classification, if you will, that we can group them into, is power gifts. And the purpose of the power gifts are to do. So you have reveal, the revelation gifts that reveal, and you have power gifts that enable you to do something that you wouldn't ordinarily be able to do. And then there's inspiration gifts. And the inspiration gifts enable you to say that's the blank next, next inspiration gifts. Say, they enable you to say things you wouldn't ordinarily say in your natural abilities. This is spiritual gifts, supernatural gifts. So let's take a look at each of these, and we'll, we'll talk about each of these gifts and what they are. So the first uh, category here is the revelation gifts. What are revelation gifts? What are they? There's word of wisdom, there's word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. So Paul talks about. These spiritual gifts listed here in, in 1 Corinthians 12. And these gifts are word of wisdom, revelation gifts, or word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. Um, the power gifts are gift of faith, working of miracles, and gift of healings. And then the inspiration gifts are prophecy, the gift of tongues. An interpretation of tongues, and we're going to talk about each of them and what their function is and purpose is for. A couple reminders before we do. First off, let's not become enamored with the mechanics. And what I mean by that is this: a lot of times, uh, when people read Paul's writings in First Corinthians and Second Corinthians, and you go through and you read about the the ministry, uh, the whole, the spiritual gifts, and all that, a lot of people say, "Well, you've there's got to be." This number of prophetic words, and if it, do, if it doesn't look like this, it's not supposed to happen in a service. And um, what Paul was addressing, the Corinthian church was not uh, underusing the spiritual gifts they were overusing there was a zealousness about spiritual gifts and in services and meetings were becoming all about the spiritual gifts and that's all they did and so paul what paul was doing is he was addressing the zealousness it wasn't a you know sometimes in our american world of church uh, we go the other way. <laughs> we're, we're overly conservative, don't want any spiritual gifts, don't want any moving of the Holy Spirit. We don't, that's, you know, let's not do that. Let's shut it down because it makes us uncomfortable. That's not what Paul was dealing with. And so a lot of times when we l- look at those scriptures, we, we try to balance out the work of the Spirit in our own context, in our own mind, and say, well, we, you know, this is balance. Remember, God sets the balance, not us. And so what Paul was doing was saying, keep on using the spiritual gifts. Use them and let let God use you. But that's not the whole focus of the service. That's not the whole focus of getting together. Does that make sense? Um, So a lot of times in my statement there, we become enamored with the mechanics. We say as Christians, if it doesn't happen like this, this and this and this, then then it shouldn't happen. Well, I don't think God is sitting in heaven saying He's got to check off your checklist before it's Him or not. <laughs> I don't think God is. Uh, I don't think God operates on your timetable, your schedule. He does what He wants when He wants, and I don't think God was writing Scripture through His uh, apostles saying this is the only thing I can ever do in the future because that's what Paul said. <laughs> does that make sense? I think God can do what He wants. I don't think He's going to contradict Scripture. That's not what I'm saying. I just don't think. I think we set standards for God that he himself doesn't set is all I'm saying. So I think we just got to be aware of that. And then secondly, be careful not to become dogmatic in identifying every time a gift is an operation. A lot of times people say, oh, you know, that's this gift or that's that gift, and we've got to be able to identify it every time. Just let God move. <laughs> yeah. Don't get so caught up in all the mechanics. Just let God move. Let him speak, and uh, it'll be awesome. <laughs> Avoid. Thus says the Lord. A lot of people. This is the other thing. If you've ever noticed, you've been in in a service or ever been around. Thus says the Lord, and they've got to, if they have a prophetic word or there's a, you know anything given, they've got to always add the tag or the introduction. Thus says the Lord. Well, if it's really God, you don't have to add that tag because if it's really God, you're gonna know that it's God, and it's gonna be obvious that it's God. And really, it needs to become very natural. Um, mo- many of the the most powerful. Prophetic words or words of knowledge that I've ever been given come forth in just simple conversation with people. And yeah. it's not ever, thus says the Lord, it's just conversation or someone saying, and this is what I always say I really feel like the Lord is speaking this to me, or I really feel like God's saying this. Um, I, this is what I think I'm hearing God saying. You know, the great thing, especially if you're beginning at using spiritual gifts, here's a, here's a great line. When you're out in public, this is a great way to begin using spiritual gifts. When you're at a restaurant and the waiter or the waitress is waiting on you, ask God to give you a word for that person and then say, hey, I'm just practicing hearing from God. I might completely mess this up, but I'm practicing. And what I think I hear God saying is, tell them what you think and see how they respond. So it's the reputation is totally on God. <laughs> you can blame him if it doesn't work. Uh, but I promise, if you'll just step out in faith, you'd be surprised how God will speak through you and use you in an incredible way. Um, you just got to give him give him the opportunity. Um, but avoid thus, says the Lord. Just share it, just say it. This is. You know I feel like you need to do this or go this direction, and if it's God, it's going to click, it's going to confirm, it's going to encourage, it's going to exhort or it's going to comfort, it's going to edify those things. First um, Corinthians 12, or I'm sorry, First Corinthians 14:3 Does someone want to read that? First Corinthians 14:3. go ahead. read aloud.
0: On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement.
1: And okay, the words there that are actually, what translation is that? ESV. Okay, so that's ESV, the words that are used there in the Greek are the words translated are edifying, you're going to build an edifice, so when you use spiritual gifts, you're building people up, you're creating a structure, you're building a structure is what the Greek says, you're building them up. Second word that's used there in the Greek is the word exhortation. That you're going to admonish them or urge them strongly to action. So so the spiritual gifts are admonishing and urging people to action. This is not your words. Remember, this is spiritual. This is God moving through you, working through you. And and then the third thing is encouraging or comfort. They bring comfort. So let's talk about the spiritual gifts. Let's walk through uh, what they are and their purpose. So the first thing we see here is the word of wisdom. Words of wisdom reveal the plans and purposes of God for a specific person or situation. It's godly wisdom at an opportune time. Basically, if it's, it's looking at someone and knowing, uh, not necessarily knowing what they're facing. And it could be that you know what they're facing. They just don't know how to handle the situation or circumstance. And it's God giving you the wisdom for them in that moment. What they need to do. What they ought to do. Um, a great example of this is Ananias and Paul. Remember uh, Saul was on his way to Damascus. God comes, speaks to him, he gets born again, he goes into town and God speaks to Ananias and says, "Ananias, hey, you remember that guy Saul? <laughs> I want you to go, I want you to go to this. gives him the street number, it gives him the street, the house number where Paul was at. It says, "I want you to go to this house. You're going to see Saul. And I'm going to use you to minister to him. And, of course, Ananias had the same response that we all would. God, do you remember who you're talking about? Let me, let me offer you information you're unaware of, God. Let me just make sure you're aware. We're talking about the same guy that kills Christians, that would kill me if I showed up. Yep, Ananias, that's where you're going to go, and I want you to minister to him. That was a word of wisdom God gave him. we see that operating there in Acts, in those verses there, Acts 9, 10 through 16. The second gift is the word of knowledge. This is where God reveals something to you that now exists or did exist. A lot of times uh, we we see these gifts in operation and there's multiple gifts operating at the same time. For example, in church services or even in your personal life, God may give you a word of knowledge and follow it up with a prophetic word or word of wisdom. And there will be multiple gifts working simultaneously. Uh, But again, that's where I say we don't have to get caught up in the mechanics of that's that gift or that's just let God flow. But just to give you an understanding, there sometimes are multiple gifts happening at the same time. But word of knowledge often happens like that, where you'll have a word of knowledge where God will show you something that has happened or is happening in someone's life and then he'll follow it up with a prophetic word or word of wisdom uh, on what they need to do or handle it. Um, I remember the first time I, this is one of the gifts that I flow in very heavily, words of knowledge and uh, I remember one of the first times that I ever used, God used me in this gift. Um, I was in i was in a service and uh, the person that was ministering gave an altar call, and I looked across the crowd, and there was this guy standing there, and God spoke to me and said, he's bound up by pornography. I want you to go tell him I want to set him free. Oh, my God, that's not necessarily something you go and tell somebody you don't know, right? You don't necessarily walk up to a complete stranger and say, hey, God says you're in pornography, and he wants to set you free. I mean, that's a little awkward, right? And it was a little awkward for me. <laughs> So I walk up to the guy, and I said, hey, you know, introduce myself. I'm Zach, and I said, I don't know you, and uh, I don't know your life, but I said, I just felt like the Lord say that you were bound in pornography, and he wanted to set you free. And when I said that, it was just all I said. When I said that, he started crying like a baby and said, "Uh, yeah, and, you know, he started to open up, and we talked, and I said, well, why don't you come with me to the altar, and let's get prayer. And so you know, you just never know. It is awkward. I, I've been told I have a certain look that that I get when God get when God speaks to me words of knowledge. That I have a certain look that comes on my face, and people around me who know me know that God has spoken to me to say something. And so I've been in situations where I've been out at the mall or been in public places, and God spoke to me and I'm denying it and trying not to God be quiet don't tell me things right now I'm you know I just want to shock and uh people who are with me say uh it's happening isn't it <laughs> you need to tell them <laughs> okay got it so um words of knowledge that's that's words of knowledge a great example of this is Jesus with the Samaritan woman she he said go and get your husband she said oh I you know I don't have a husband <laughs> and Jesus said you're right you've had five and the guy you're living with you're cohabitating and he ain't your husband <laughs> that's a word of knowledge and then obviously the result of that was she got born again she went she went into her community and became a, a Samaritan evangelist and which was not uh, was not acceptable in that day so it's awesome discerning of spirits a lot of people can Connect this to demonic this is not always demonic discerning of spirits uh, there's there's angelic there's the spirit of god there's demonic, and there's the man of the, the spirit of man fleshly spirit so there's four there's four things that can be operating, and discernment of spirits is understanding what it is and Heather and i this is one of the gifts that both of us flow in very heavily discernment is. Very strong gift with both of us. And you can sense very quickly in discernment where people are at, and you don't even have to talk to them. You just know. You can know their heart, you know their intent, you know, it's like you're, it's a clear cut, Um, and and what the motivation of the heart is in that moment. So, uh, examples of this, discerning of spirits, great example of this is Elisha in 2 Kings. Um, They were facing the armies, and Elisha's servant said, Oh, they outnumber us big time. We we're we're gonna get we're going we're way outnumbered. And Elisha said, "Lord, would you open his eyes that he can see the armies that are with us?" And immediately he saw, and there was a discerning of spirits. He saw the angelic armies that were with him roundabout. So um, that's discerning of spirits, gift of faith. I wish I operated in this a lot more. (laughs) This is one of those. I'm like, God, would you increase this in my life? Um, This is a supernatural revelation of the unseen world and the ability to sense the spirit world, God's world, and his plans and purposes. Um, It's a spiritual reality, spiritual perception uh, beyond beyond the measure of faith that we're given at salvation. This is a greater capacity of faith. And, uh, you know, someone that I've seen operate in this very well in our lives is uh, Pastor Paris from New Orleans, who is our, like, our spiritual mother. Um, She, I mean, I'll never forget, she walked into one of our staff meetings and said, we're going to open up a women's rehab, and I'm not going to, I need $30,000, and we're going to have it within a month because we're going to open up this rehab. And we're all like, where are you going to get $30,000, right? But she knew, she had perceived it, she knew it. And she had the gift of faith for that. She had heard from God, and she had a gift of faith for it. And within a week, we had $30,000 and was opening up a women's rehab. So um, that's a gift, gift of faith. Um, being able to perceive what God's doing and having an assurance that no matter what happens in the natural, God's still doing it. Daniel in the lion's den is a great example of this. Daniel had the had spiritual perception that it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I'm going to pray. Whether you say I can't pray or not, but I'm going to pray. And he prayed and had a revelation that no matter whether or not he went in the lion's den or not, he was still going to be okay. Um, gift of faith. Miracles. This is supernatural intervention by God in the ordinary course of nature. So your nature is happening. The ordinary course of time is happening. And God intervenes in, in, a, in nature is, is a miracle and that can take on a lot of different forms and fashions um you know the the multiplying of the the food it, when Jesus fed the 5000 the multiplying of the fish and the loaves that's a miracle um Philip being transported from one city to the next spiritually he was what's the word for that he was uh teleported transported whatever he was picked up and yeah he was beamed up you know you don't hear about those testimonies very often in church i was beamed up by jesus i take it you know you don't hear that very much these days but that happened it was in the new testament and and intended for us today um does it? you know john john g lake uh shares if you those of you that are uh revival historians or like uh studying other, John G. Lake had those experiences where God would come in his times of prayer at night and take him out of his room take him out of his room and transport him to minister in other cities uh, around the world, pretty interesting so he's also the same man talking about miracles, he's also the same man that scientists put live germs on his hand diseases on his hand and watched them shrivel under the power of God that was resident in his body, they watched him watch the germs, watch the diseases through the microscope, and watched them die in his hand. Talking about miracles? <laughs> but the interesting thing about that is his wife and like three or four of his kids, all died on the missions field from sickness and disease. It's very interesting. You never know the plans and purposes of God. It's uh, very interesting. God glorified in it all. It just reminds us. It's a great reminder. You look at people like that. It's a great reminder. It's God working through the person. It's not the person. It's God. It's awesome. Um, Gifts of healing. Healing is a special gift given by God to heal. (laughs) Scripture is full of healing miracles. Prophecy. so Prophecy is a supernatural message given with the emphasis being on the supernatural. It's scripture- applicable in due season an opportune direction confirmation encouragement comfort let me explain a lot of times people think that prophecy is futuristic in nature if you're going to give a prophetic words it's futuristic and that might be the case it might be futuristic but that's not what that's not what prophecy is prophecy the purpose of prophecy is encouraging it's edifying and comforting and so what i always tell people you know, with any of these gifts, with any of the spiritual gifts, stick to the Bible. <laughs> if, if you feel like God's giving you a word for somebody, prophetic word, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, whatever it is, get a scripture. Go to the scripture. What does the Bible say about what you're hearing from, what you feel like you're hearing from God? Maybe God's speaking to you, and you feel like God is saying... That the person is in depression and discouragement and they just need to be lifted up. They need to be encouraged. Well, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to say, God, give me a word for that person. And you're going to open your Bible to Isaiah 61 that says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty, liberty to the captives, captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And it goes on to comfort all who mourn to console those who are in Zion, those, those who mourn in Zion, and give them beauty for ashes. So you're going to give them a scripture, not just your own two cents worth. <laughs> you can give two cents worth all day, and it's not going to help them zero. But if you give them a scripture to go home with, you're leaving them with truth that's lasting, it's eternal truth. And so when you feel like God's speaking to you, uh, whether it's prophetic words or whatever it is, stick to the Bible. Get a scripture. Get a get a Bible. Ask God. Guess what? God will give you a scripture. <laughs> I promise you. If you're in the Bible, if you're studying the Bible, He will give you a scripture. Uh, one of the greatest examples of the prophetic ministry that I've ever seen is Dick Mills, who we often talk about. Dick Mills would be like our spiritual grandpa. Uh, it was Pastor Frank's spiritual dad. Dick Mills was involved in writing the Spirit-Filled Study Bible. If, you've ever, if you're familiar with the Spirit-Filled Study Bible, he's the guy that wrote all the definitions. He's the one that does all the Greek and studying and all the definitions, Hebrew and all that. Which is now, by the way, that Bible has been developed into the Fire Bible. So the current Fire Bible is the Spirit-Filled Study Bible. So anyway, that's the history. So this is intelligent guy. I mean, this guy is just brilliant. And as a, as a young man, he got saved. He got born again. Uh, his mom was the piano player for Amy Simple McPherson. So he got born again under Amy Simple McPherson's ministry. So, you know, he, he's a product of Azusa Street. And um, so he, what he would do when he would minister, he died two or three years ago, but um, he would sit down, he would come into after worship and services. He would sit down on a chair. As a young man, he memorized like 1,500 promises out of the scripture. He would go through his Bibles. I have one of his Bibles. It's not one of his color-coded Bibles, but I got one of his Bibles. But he would, his Bibles, he would take and he color-coded all of the promises of God in his Bibles. And he would study. He would read the Bible in a year and go through and color-code every year a new Bible and memorize the promises of God in it. Brilliant man. And so he would sit in a chair in service, and, and it would be just something very similar to this. And he would go through, and he'd say, Jen, stand up. This, you right here, this lady right here, redhead, stand up. And they would stand, and he would give, this is, this is a scripture for you. He would give them a scripture, and it would be, it would be and sometimes he would add a commentary to it, but it would be the right on word from God, it would be comforting, edifying, and exhorting, whatever it needed to be for that person. We I mean we have received many words. Matter of fact, one of the words we we received from him was applied to us moving here and coming here. It was a word about us moving here um, that he gave in two thousand six. And so we didn't see the fulfillment of that until last year. Um, you know, so he was very gifted. And what he drew one time he drew our pastors a picture of a house and said, I don't know what this is for. Here's a picture of a house. And um, I'm like, okay. Well, a couple months later, one of the guys in the church said, hey, I've been reading this devotional. It happened to be his, this guy's devotional. I've been reading this devotional. And every time I read this devotional book, says to our pastors, I feel like I'm supposed to give you my house. Give us your house. Well, this guy lived in a very affluent part of town, very expensive home on a golf course, very expensive home, and he gives our pastors his home, literally gives the home. And so they move in, and they move into the home, and they keep that picture of the drawing of the home in their Bible and pull out the picture, and it's a picture of the home that this man just gave them. Wow. So... Uh, you know, it manifests in a lot of different ways. Uh, it can be futuristic or it can be just a simple word of encouragement or uh, uh, comfort and all those things. But anyway, that's a prophetic word. And then there's gift of tongues. I'm sorry, I'm going to hurry up. Gift of tongues is a message from God in a spirit language to the body for the purpose of interpretation. This is different from an individual's prayer language, which is speaking to God, not men. There's two difference, two, two types of tongues. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, there is the, there is the prayer language, the baptism in the Holy Spirit tongues, which is your prayer language, which is prayer to God, not men. It's, it's prayer. It's, it's worship to God. Then there's the gift of tongues. This is A lot of people get confused here. You know, some people say, well, why why is everybody praying in the Spirit? I didn't think you were supposed to do that. Well, there's praying in the Spirit, and there's gift of tongues. Uh, The gift of tongues is when there is a message in tongues given for the edification of the body. It is a corporate word given to the body, and there has to be an interpretation. Well, how do you know? Well, it operates in the same functionality as a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, Prophetic word, it's the same functionality. The speaker knows that it's a public word. If you have that gift, you know that it's a public word for public address. It's different than your prayer language, and you know that it's different. You know what, that God is speaking to you and is urging you to give the public address. Um, it operates the same way as all the other gifts. And then Paul goes on to say, Let him who gives the word ask God for interpretation. doesn't mean that it always has to be the same person, um, but if you give a message in tongues, you should be asking for the interpretation. There needs to be an interpretation, has to be an interpretation. And um, that's what gives the, gives the word. That's how you know what God's saying. A lot of people say, well, unbelievers are turned off by that. Actually, Scripture says that it's a sign to the unbelievers. It's a word for the body. It's an edifying word for the body. But it's a sign, the Scripture says, to the unbelievers. Um, the gift of interpretation of tongues... Is this, it's not, it's not translation, it's interpretation. You can't translate spiritual language. It's, in, it has to, it's not something where you know in your head that, you know, if, if, translation is you know the language and you can tell people what's being said. Interpretation is you have to have supernatural word from God to tell what's being said. Does that make sense? That you just can't translate it. So there, therein lies the difference. A lot of people say, well, you can translate... No, you can't translate. (laughs) So those are the gifts of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 14, 1, Paul says to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. So I would encourage you, ask God to use you in the spiritual gifts. Um, If you have questions in services, um, what we encourage people, I'll just say this with regards to service, we encourage spiritual gifts. Um, But I, I always encourage people, if you feel like God's giving you a word, even if it's you know, even if you feel like you have a message in tongues in a service for public edification, ask God for the interpretation and write it down and bring it to Pastor Heather or one of our staff pastors. And as it fits into the service, we'll share it. And that's always that's always a surefire way to ensure that what God's speaking, one, it lines up with scripture. And two, that nobody's stepping out into the Peripherals. We make sure that we're all on the same page. I don't have a problem with public address. You know, we've had several messages in tongues and prophetic words and such since we've been here. Usually I, when someone starts to give a word, I'm looking on the platform. I'm looking as the pastor in, uh, of the service. How is this flowing in with what's happening? Every time we've ever had one uh, a word or something given, it's flown into what's happening in the service. It's obviously spirit-directed. And the second thing I'm looking for is who's giving it. Do I know them and do I know their lifestyle or is this someone that I don't know that has questionable character integrity and I don't know what they're about ready to say and it's, it might be something of their own flesh and not spiritual. And then thirdly, gift of discernment (laughs) remember we flow in that gift and that as a pastor you have to have as a as a let me say as a pastor of a spirit-filled church you have to operate in the gift of discernment and um so anyway those are just so you know so i haven't shut anybody down and i don't i'm not necessarily the type of person that will shut people down publicly unless it has to be addressed um because most of the time you can correct people behind the scenes and they'll learn and they'll grow better from public correction. We all do. Um, but if it has to be addressed, we do address it. So publicly anyway, so that's my encouragement. And if you feel like God's giving you a word during a service or a word of knowledge, or you always come say, you know, come up to pastor Heather, one of our staff pastors and say, Hey, I, you know, I feel like God's saying, you know, giving me a word and, and does this fit in and write it down and give it to us and there's been many times that's happened, and we've incorporated And I don't even always say, hey, someone got a Most of the time, I don't say someone got a word from the Lord. I just share it. This is what, we, this is what God's saying. And we don't have to give public acknowledgement. God just spoke through somebody. We don't need to give public acknowledgement of who gave it. Um, so anyway, I hope that all makes sense. hope you've learned something tonight. Any questions? All righty. Amen. Well, God bless you. Have a great evening. And uh, we'll see you in-
0: Thank you for joining the Celebration podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store.
1: With my father it's so awesome.